Today's episode is all about consistency. We talk about this topic when it comes to client experience, showing up on social media, but an even more important way to stay consistent is in your brand identity. To walk us through how brand consistency will equate to client trust, we've brought on our creative director, Amanda Lynn Webb. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teak. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. Welcome, Amanda Lynn. Thank you for having me. We were just talking, and every brand episode that we do always runs on because we get overly passionate. Obviously, it is a hot topic around Teak. So we will do our best to keep this concise and effective so that you can get some great takeaways. The entire point of creating a brand is essentially to remain consistent in your brand. But somehow along the way, I know I am so guilty of it. The brand evolves if you're not constantly kind of like checking in with yourself. So before we get into how you can remain brand consistent, Can you share why brand consistency is so important? Yeah, of course. It's important on many levels. But in my opinion, the most important part of brand consistency is that it establishes client and audience trust. And that's more than just popping your logo on every Instagram post that you make. It's about making sure that everything that your client and audience sees and feels about your brand is really in sync. And you want to make sure that you're creating that really cohesive, unified front on every single touch point of your brand. So whether that's through your website or social media posts, the emails that you're sending out, or, you know, in the sense of advisors, your booking experience, even it all builds that sense of reliability. I think this is really interesting because I had no context of this and I know This probably had to have driven Robin absolutely bonkers when she was (laughs) under Explorator because she is so brand consistent. Like even in her own personal life, personal grid, like she maintains such a steady brand identity. Yeah, she does. She's good. She does. You like, I can see something. I'm like, oh, that's so Robin, you know? Mm -hmm. I was, first of all, I didn't have a brand kit. We've covered that in multiple episodes. Like I did not have (laughs) a brand kit. I had a logo. I thought that orange was my brand identity but I didn't know what that hex code was. I didn't know I was supposed to remain consistent with that specific color. And I had one singular color. So that's not really a brand kit, right? And I had a logo that was iffy. And anytime I would use it, I didn't have any variations of it either. So like anytime I would use it, I am so guilty of like going on the website and like dragging and dropping the PNG file like mm-hmm. over and over again, because I didn't have, hadn't saved like a bank of <laughs> original logo. So I would have to like steal it from my own website to put it on anything, which as you know, and for anyone that's listening, it just kind of like deteriorates the quality every time you're mm-hmm. taking the logo from somewhere else. That's not the original source. It's just progressively getting more pixelated. Yes, exactly. <laughs> 
people are like, what does that say? Because it's like incursive, <laughs> like it's just like a hot mess. So all that to say is I didn't know what a brand meant as like a general concept. But then anytime I would post on social media, I was using the fonts that were like provided in social media. So I used to use, it was a some kind of comic sans. It wasn't Comic Sans. Disclaimer, <laughs> do not use it. It was, you know how they had those collage apps? I'm sure they still have them. I just oh, yeah. used, used them in a lot in a while. There was like this handwriting all caps one. And so like I would create collages of pictures. First of all, the pictures were like super saturated, bright, and I wasn't paying attention to if they were warm or cool, like nothing. I was like, picture of Tahiti, perfect. And then I would go on my collage app and I would put this crazy all caps script over it with some color font that like didn't relate at all to my brand identity. And I was just like throwing things on social media and I was present and I was consistent in showing up. But every time someone came in contact with my brand, it looked different. It probably felt different because anytime you're like consuming content, you're essentially equating to a feeling. Do you feel like, first of all, like obviously I, I grew my business that way, but I would not say that I grew my business with the right target audience. And I feel that I had to have been creating not a distrust, but like a sense of doubt in people that do have a discerning eye. No, I completely agree. When I had my business, it was the same way, though, even though I was doing this design work. When you're just starting a business, I think it can be so overwhelming because when you're in that position, you're normally doing everything and you're wearing all of the hats. And it's hard to worry about getting your systems in place and taking care of clients and also maintaining that type of consistency or even establishing a brand identity to begin with. It can, it can be difficult. So I do think that you have to give yourself a little grace. Hopefully we can help some people be able to start out with a really clear, consistent brand kit by listening to our podcast or even coming to do branding with us. But yes. I know it, it's a struggle for so many people. It's still a struggle on Instagram. Like anytime we put up a post and we want to put copy over it, copy meaning like the actual words, it's like, okay, so now I have to pick this random font that Instagram gives me a choice from. So even that is still a struggle to me. And I'm like, okay, but as long as we're using the same font, like people know it's Instagram, they know it's a platform, as long as our content is the backbone of that post, mm -hmm. we're resharing and we're using that same font over and over again. I know that I was like alternating between the fonts that I would select to mm -hmm. on stories, mm -hmm. depending on the day and how I was feeling. I'm like, <laughs> italics, all cap. And even that, I think if you're posting branded content on your stories, but you still want to put like words over it in the actual app. And I know we're getting really granular into the details here, but I feel like even picking one font that you're consistently going to use within that platform and that app is even helpful. Completely agree with that. Okay. One thing that I found when you redid the Explorator brand, because I was your first client as you yes. came onto our team. Yes. That was very intimidating. I was like, here, do the co-founders branding. No pressure or anything. 
<laughs> here's your test. <laughs> we'll see if you're here in four weeks. No, it was perfect. And I'm incredibly decisive. I, I think I am. I don't know if you felt that. You're a dream client. Okay, wonderful. So I'm incredibly decisive. If I see something, I like it. I don't have a lot of doubt in someone who's a professional as well. Like I have a vision, but I'm like, Amanda Lynn knows what she's talking about. She's the professional here. And just like I want someone to trust me to plan their trip, I want to trust you to create a brand. Like you know more about what's on trend yet timeless, even like color psychology equates to. And I mentioned that that was really important to me. But what I found difficult after the fact, so you deliver this beautiful brand kit, launch graphics, and then it's kind of like, go spread your wings and put this beautiful brand into life and do it justice for someone who is the brains behind it. First of all, that's intimidating to me. Like you still know me. You're, you're going to see every post that I post. <laughs> like, oh God, now she's going to see this post and be like, you didn't follow the brand guideline. <laughs> How does one hold themselves accountable to maintain the same image once that like foundation has been set? Say someone has gotten a brand kit or they've created a brand kit, they've worked with a professional. How can they hold themselves accountable for maintaining the identity that essentially they've really invested in? Hey there, TikTok listeners, Ashlyn Puckett here. You may have heard the word workflow before and wondered what the heck are they talking about? You may have also heard us throw around the term client experience and wondered what we meant by it. Well, we don't just want to tell you, we want to show you. We're hosting a live open house webinar for our most popular product, our client communication templates. The signature workflow that put Teak on the map got a major glow up and is now available for all CRMs. Advisors have been begging us forever to rework our traditional TravelJoy workflow templates to be more general for any CRM, and we finally did it. If jumpstarting 2024 with a streamlined, automated system sounds like a dream, then you're going to want to get in on this ASAP. Our client communication templates are a complete collection of email, form, and task list templates to help you enforce boundaries, manage expectations, and deliver a high-end travel booking experience. If you're wondering, can they really be that good? Don't just take our word for it. Check out the testimonials on our website or... Better yet, join us for an exclusive behind-the-scenes free tour of our client communication templates and all of the amazing resources waiting for you inside. Have you ever bought something after being promised the world only to be let down by the actual product? Yeah, us too. That's why we're peeling back the metaphorical curtain and showing you exactly what you get when you purchase our best-selling client communication templates. To join our next open house and to see how our client communication templates can genuinely change your business, register at the link in the show notes below. I look forward to hopefully seeing you all at the open house. It's like you said, a set of brand guidelines is key here and guidelines are going to be a document that's your reference point. Essentially, you can come back to this to know how to properly use your logos, your fonts, your colors, and also the less tangible parts of your brand kit, like your tone, your messaging. It's kind of like a cheat sheet. And if there's ever a question about how you want to post or what you want your website to look like or how to use a certain font, you can always refer back and kind of check those questions against those guidelines. 
I think this is particularly helpful for people when they have a large team or have multiple people mm-hmm. who are going to have hands in the brand because that can get a little dicey when you have four people who are all responsible for creating marketing materials and social media posts, and they might all have a different idea of how they want to use certain brand colors or certain fonts. And having those guidelines in place, make sure that you're presenting a unified front, even if you have four people doing the work. Yeah, because someone may be making literature for an in-person event. Someone may be making the website. Someone Mm -hmm. might be creating the social media posts. Someone might be creating the newsletters. So there are all these different touch points and interactions with your clients that leave a lot of wiggle room. They shouldn't, but it can leave a lot of wiggle room for inconsistency. Mm -hmm. Let's get a little more granular with this because... I think it's very easy to be like, okay, use this font. And even defining like header, subheader, body, that's hard for people to kind of grasp. I always thought like three fonts, interchangeable, use them where you want to use them. Mm -hmm. And then I was like mixing cases. So like one font would be in all caps and then in my brand guidelines maybe, but then the actual delivery in the newsletter, maybe I'd mix caps. And then I would start to get super overwhelmed with how I was creating the inconsistency. So what are some things, that's one example, obviously, is like the casing of letters. What are some other examples of things included in the brand guidelines outside of just like listing fonts and listing colors? So as far as colors are concerned, making sure that you're using that exact hex code. If anybody is a first time listener and doesn't know what that is, it's this alpha numeric code that you enter into Photoshop or Canva or wherever you're creating graphics. And it's going to generate that exact color. So you're not just randomly picking an orange that you feel kind of looks like the Explorator orange. It's making sure it's the exact color and you can generate that color every single time. And with fonts, yes, it's important to just list out heading, subheading, and body. Like you said, some people have trouble even with that. But I get super granular with this, even as far as like the kerning between the letters. Obviously, for a body font, you want that to be zero. It just looks weird and it's hard to read if you have big spaces in between the letters in a paragraph, for example. But sometimes it can work really well depending on your header font. You just posted an example on your stories when you were in New York, right? Was it in? Oh, no, it was was when I was in LA. Oh my gosh. I'm such a branding snob with stuff like this. It's so bad. I dissect everything now. I can't look at anything. I can't look at any package or any billboard or anything without immediately like judging it. That was such an obvious one though. So I'll I'll share what it was because it's happened twice and I think it's the same brand that keeps doing it. Is it the same one that there was an Instagram story that I took a picture of? It was a major hotel brand. Yes, in Vegas. It looked like a nice hotel. I won't be staying there just out of principle now. Uh, <laughs> you can't get your kerning right. I'm out. Okay. First of all, if you're charging a thousand dollars a night, your kerning better be on point. <laughs> So the the situation was it was cursive. And when you have cursive, obviously the entire point of cursive is that all letters are connecting. Yes, it's they're flowing. One smooth motion. 
But that's not how a font pack works because when someone creates a font pack, they're creating these individual letters that are going to be loaded in however you put the words together. So when someone types it out, then you're going to have to manually adjust that kerning to bring those letters together so it appears as though they were always created as one smooth movement. So this has been a thing for multiple hotel. It wasn't the same hotel because I just checked. This has been a thing for multiple hotel lines where the cursive kerning has been off and it's these very high-end brands. I am sure that it is an outsourced marketing agency. I'm sure it's not like someone internally unless they have an entire, essentially like a sub agency within their major brand. And in either case, you would think yes. someone would know. It's yes. a basic rule. <laughs> it's actually their job to know. It's their whole job. Literally their job. <laughs> so if anyone has cursive in your phone, please adjust Set the that kerning to zero. I'm glad that you got to that, but I also wanted to touch on weights of fonts. Not every font has an adjustable weight, but some do. So you can, you know, go bold. Sometimes they also have heavy and black weights as well. And then obviously some fonts have italic versions. And those are great ways to be able to emphasize certain points or maybe you want any embedded links in your website to show up italicized so that people's eyes are drawn to that. But that's another great point. You want to outline those things in your brand guidelines so you're not just randomly making the subheading super bold on this one page. Also, all of your links are bold and everything just kind of bleeds together at that point. Yeah. Even those granular little details, like you said, are really important, especially as your brand starts to grow and there are more eyes on everything. Another thing I will mention, and this gets really, really granular, but it's something that I pay attention to, particularly when it comes to logos and websites. In a perfect world, yes, it would be like this on social too, but it can be a little more difficult to maintain there. There is a principle in design where you want everything to be scaled correctly between the different fonts. So I always, when I create brand guidelines, include suggested sizing in addition to suggested kerning and case style. There's a free website called Typescale that you can go to. And Give me some context of this. I actually don't know what you're talking about. So, so all of the, I forget what the exact number is, but all of the fonts need to be like in multiples of each other. Okay. If this makes sense. So type-scale.com okay. is a really great tool for that. And you okay. can put in whatever font you want and it will show you examples and it yeah creates a hierarchy of numbers and you can keep generating them as high as you need to go to make sure that uh -huh. you're using them in correct proportion. Wow. Interesting. I didn't know anything about that. I took like a mini crash course in branding just so I could like speak the language with Robin when we mm -hmm. first started Teak. So like that's when I learned about kerning. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been doing everything wrong my entire career, which is true. I, I have been. But now I'm much more in tune to it, especially like Robin is on leave right now. I'm stepping in. I've got to adjust presentations. It's so funny because she can spot a font difference like a mile away. And it is so minute. But when I change it, 
obviously my eye is at ease. And I think that's the whole point is that psychologically, when there are inconsistencies, our brain is a little scrambled and it feels uneasy. Hi, Amanda Lynn here. I'm the creative director at Teak, and I'm jumping in to give you the scoop on an exciting new service, our semi-custom brands. Maybe you're just starting out in the industry, but want to make a great first impression and launch your business with a fresh and professional brand. Maybe you're looking to update your current branding and you're just not in a season that allows you to make a huge investment. Or maybe you're just looking for a quicker turnaround time than our signature brand service offers. If you resonate with any of these, then our semi-custom brand service is a great solution for you. So what exactly is a semi-custom brand? Each quarter, we'll be designing and releasing three new semi-custom brand concepts. I've worked to create brand packages that are on-trend yet classic. So that you have a good idea of the potential of each brand kit, our website showcases mock-ups and transformations. You have got to check these out. It's really cool. To start, you'll select the concept that you like and complete some fun homework assignments. Think Pinterest and questionnaires all about you so that we can get to know you and your business and your vibe. Then our operations manager will secure your design day with me where I'll customize your concepts by inputting info like your business name and tagline and build out your color palette. I'll devote six hours of my day to designing for you and sharing the drafts while we chat on the Slack app. You'll walk away with a logo suite, color palette, launch graphics to show off your new brand and a suggested list of fonts. We assure that once these brand concepts are personalized, no two look the same. If you'd like to learn more about the process or see those transformations for yourself, head to the link in our show notes. Our team is excited to bring our new semi-custom brands to the community and have the opportunity to help even more advisors. We hope to see you on our design calendar soon. There's a major psychological aspect to branding, obviously. It's it's all psychological if we really want to boil it down to it. But when you look at something and you see an inconsistency, I think that the math is like your brain can spot inconsistency up to like one one hundredth of a millimeter. Like it's something so small and minute, mm-hmm. but that just like slight error, slight inconsistency causes your brain to feel slightly disoriented. Then you can't focus on the messaging. And whether it's conscious or not, like your brain doesn't know how to compute something. So it's not absorbing the, like, for example, you have no idea what that message of that hotel said to you. You only saw the inconsistencies. And yes, I know that like you of all people are going to notice it more. But that advertisement quite literally did nothing because your brain immediately felt scrambled, disoriented, and you couldn't even concentrate on like what they were trying to tell you about the brand. And in reality, what happened there is their marketing spend was completely nullified. 100%. And I like to think that even someone who doesn't have that knowledge of branding and isn't going to dissect every advertisement that they see would still look at that. And like you said, even if they couldn't put words to what was feeling Mm -hmm. off, something would feel off and it's distracting. And yeah. Yeah. Yours is conscious, but to most people it would be subconscious. And yeah, like that's the whole point of brand guidelines is 
as long as you create consistency in your branding, you're creating a sense of calm in the brain that allows someone to actually digest the messaging that you're creating for them. And the whole point of a brand is to be memorable and you can't create a memory of something if it's always changing. Mm -hmm. 1000%. Okay. So I also have a thought. I again, was really bad at creating consistency. Like I would get, and I think this is with a lot of people, and I'm sharing this because it's a weakness of mine to this date. I am still struggling with this. And I want to know if you ever struggle with this, just like still someone that is so brand savvy. I could create an entire grid in Planoly and then I could scroll down. And even though I think that I'm being brand consistent, it will look completely different than my grid like three weeks ago. Just mm -hmm. because if I'm not constantly comparing it to the brand guidelines, for some reason, there's like a natural deviation that just happens over time. It's like a, these incremental evolutions of the brand. And then you scroll down and you're like, whoa, somehow my grid got off track. It looks inconsistent. And so I had to start putting pictures into my Google Drive or putting them in Planoly and actually visibly seeing them and taking things out that didn't fit because it was easier for me to spot differences than it was to create consistencies. Is that mm -hmm. common? Yeah, I think I think that it is. I also think that you guys, especially when you had Explorator, did an amazing job with your okay, socials and you. your grid. I always was swooning over it was one of those things where I would scroll on Instagram. And as soon as I saw the picture, I would know that it was from you, even yes. if if I didn't see the Explorator name. But yeah, I, I think that's actually a really great point. Sometimes it is easier to pick out things that don't fit rather than just try to compile things that do, especially when you're just, you know, dipping your toes into this. I think that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and it can be intimidating to have to filter everything through, does this make sense? Does this make sense? Especially minute little things like that. But I mean, we were like heavy on the orange because that was the brand color. But for some reason, like my natural tendency was to go light and airy because that's like what I was drawn to, especially that was like very on trend when we did the, yeah. it, it was like everything was light and airy, all of these filters that people were selling light and airy. And so that's a lot of what was available in the content banks too, like Pexels and even the paid memberships, they tended to be light and airy and not this kind of like I wouldn't say like overly moody, but there was like an olive and an orange tone to it. So it it went a little moodier. And I had to constantly pull myself back into the brand kit rather than leaning into what felt natural for me. My point of that is that is where I think it's really important to be authentic to your own brand so that you're not constantly having this internal tension between your brand in your head, like your personal brand and what you're attracted to and what you like versus the brand that you've created as an identity for your business. I agree with that. It's hard though. It's, hard. it's so hard. I have so much respect for social media managers. I just think it's very easy to deviate. I don't know how social media managers do it when it's not their brand voice. It's not their brand identity. So they're like flexing their brain to someone else's perspective constantly. And I think that's where brand guidelines come into play so much is because it's not subjective. You're taking the subjectivity 
completely out of it. Yeah. We had brand guidelines when I worked in construction, was doing social media management, but we didn't have anything in regards to tone and voice. That was really difficult. So that's a great example of why it's so important to make sure your brand guidelines are really extensive and cover not just the visual aspects of your brand, but those intangible aspects as well. That's where I think working with a copywriter to hone your messaging and then creating brand guidelines along with that. Like we always talk about like segmenting out pieces of your business. Like a lot of the time people think that the same person that's going to do social media is going to do newsletters. And it's actually could be a completely different person because the Mm -hmm. strategy there is completely different. So I think that even applies here where brand tone, voice, messaging needs to come from someone who's a copywriter that could really understand the words to use, but also the words not to use. Like Mm -hmm. I never, that was one thing, like we never use the word deals. Instead, it was always value. So creating these guidelines of the actual messaging, I think would be really powerful to make sure that if you do ever hand over the reins for some aspect of your business, you're not surprised by something that contradicts your philosophy. No, 100%. It's yes, brand guidelines are really important to hold your own self accountable and and keep you posting consistently and showing up consistently. But again, it's a little more important, in my opinion, when you are handing over the reins, like you said, and bringing multiple people into that sphere where they're going to have their hands on your brand or, or different aspects of your brand. From your perspective, if you were to be managing a brand starting tomorrow, what are things that people can put in place to create this brand consistency? First and foremost, I would start by taking an audit of everything, just looking really objectively at every single touch point, the visual branding, the messaging, everything, and hone in on any inconsistencies. Because once you're aware of what's not working or what is inconsistent, then you're able to get aligned and get everything back on track. I would put in time to create, establish those brand guidelines if they weren't already in place. And then I would make sure to update them as the brand evolves, Mm -hmm. as it inevitably will. And I think that once you have those things in place, you really have a goldmine I think that this could be hard for someone if they're staring at their brand all day, every day. So to me, I would have found it incredibly helpful to find a colleague and say, like, can we trade audits? Mm -hmm. Like, can you look across all my platforms and see what feels consistent versus inconsistent? And we did this actually at our Teak Week retreat. Like we had people sit with someone else and talk about their website and their messaging and give almost an interpretation. Like, can you tell this person, can you tell what they sell? Can you tell their niche? Can you tell their target audience? And I think almost like giving bullet points, like, can you tell me who I sell to, what I sell, what my brand says about myself? Where are you seeing my brand? And also like, where am I not exemplifying my brand? There are some websites that we were like, okay, there's a logo on there, but the rest of the website feels like regular font. Like it didn't feel intentional. It didn't feel like the whole brand was being carried through the website. It felt like there were some beautiful travel pictures and there were words, 
but it felt almost like the rest of the website had been created in more of a generic way. And there wasn't intentional usage of like an accent hex code on a button or something like that, or a varying font from the subheader into the body. It's not creating this excitement to the eye and carrying it through the website. And I know I'm talking about website, but I think that's like people's digital address. That's what's most yeah. what you're going to see. So people found that incredibly helpful too. Right? Like, yes. I loved just being in the room and listening to them as they were giving one another feedback and just dissecting it. And I think it is really hard to look at your own mm-hmm. website and your own presence online sometimes. I mean, what is that they say? A fish can't see water because it's in the water. So it's very helpful, I think, to have that outside perspective. And I I watched so many people in that room walk away with not only a different perspective, but also actionable items that they were going to go home Mm -hmm. and work on after that retreat. Yeah. I feel like I would have found that super helpful because I... I didn't realize a lot of things about like my target audience. I had never done the target audience exercise until I worked with you. So just being able to be told like, this is what I interpret your brand as. Brands are so emotional to people a lot of the time, right? Like maybe your daughter-in-law made your logo or your logo represented a time where you transitioned into travel at a point of your career where life was tumultuous or something. So there's like this nostalgia tied to it. Yeah. And I think websites can be like that too, because it does feel like your digital home. It feels so personal. Oh, I like that. A digital home. (laughs) So like removing that emotional aspect out of it and applying more of an interpretation, I think can help people realize how they're going to be interpreted by other people. And I I just think people forget, like, especially if you haven't updated your website in a while and you're like, it's working. And I always like love to say like, good is the enemy of great. Like if you're getting good clients coming through the door, awesome. Like clients are coming through the door, you're booking trips, it's happening. Okay. But what if you rebrand and now you get the right client walking through the door that values your time, that doesn't question your fees, that knows exactly what they're getting because you've articulated your niche well, your imagery is reflective of that, your brand consistency elevates the entire experience for your client so they know to expect a higher quality product, which equates to investing more with the travel advisor. So I think there's just like this long string of, it's more of like a domino effect, really. I was doing well. But then with the rebrand, it just completely elevates and changes the game. So that's what I would challenge people to think about. Like, is your brand good? Is it functioning? Cool. Is your brand great? Is it giving you everything you want out of a client? And are you doing everything possible to like kind of like protect that identity? Like once you have it protected at all costs. Yeah, 100%. I think that Obviously, people in the travel space get so busy and their schedules are so packed. But I would really encourage everyone to find a little bit of a lull in your schedule at some point, at least once a year, and check in on those things. Really, you know, take that opportunity to do a little brand audit and go through all of those touch points and make sure that everything is 
as it should be. Find a co-working day. Like get someone to me. Like I live in Orlando. There are so many advisors. If I put it up in a Facebook group and was like, hey, I would love to do a co-working day at a co-working space and even give each other feedback on our websites. Do you know how many people would jump at that? So many people. Give people three hours of your time. Like it could be coffee. I mean, we just live in these silos as independent contractors and it's massively important for us to connect and I don't even think you have to necessarily, it is valuable if you are connecting with someone that has a similar, I don't want to say identity, but similar target audience than you, because then they can, you can bounce ideas off of each other. But I do think that variation speaks volumes sometimes too. Like it is okay if someone does not book what you book, it actually may give them a completely naive and blank slate picture at your business. And they're going to shed light on something that you may have never thought of before. I love that you said that. I agree with your point about the co-working days and just giving feedback to one another. I actually, one of my last brand clients of the year was telling me that she did that with one of her colleagues and they went through our ideal client or dream client workbook and they both had no idea. They kind of had an idea of what, type of travel they planned and sort of who they were trying to sell to, but they had never taken the time to sit down and really put pen to paper and write it all out. She said it was so insightful and they actually thought that who they were going for was a lot more similar before they did the exercise. And then they realized that they had completely different ideal clients. And I thought that was really fascinating. And it was very helpful. She said it was so helpful for both of them to have that time to sit down and do that and also share what they found with one another. If someone hasn't done, and I know we're talking about branding and I I feel like the obviously branding is to me like step one of this. Step two is the copywriting that like marries the two concepts. So we just did a copywriting session with Emily Mattress of Bon Vivant Copy, and it was so interesting because she was like, describe who you're selling this course to. And we're talking through it, and she's like, okay, but like, what does it look like on a daily basis for this person? And she was, her interpretation of like who we were selling the seven-figure sales course to was like slightly different than ours. And I'm like, actually, it's usually the busy travel advisor who's never taken a step back they're so busy in their business that they think everything is going well. They're getting clients. They're eating Panera at their desk. They're never stepping away to take a break for their lunch. They feel overwhelmed at the thought of taking a CEO day. And she's like, okay, the Panera at the desk, like that resonates with people. So as soon as you start to do this like target audience thing, you get really granular in what their day visually looks like. And then you can marry this beautiful brand visual aesthetic to the words that like tap into someone's soul. And it's just this like complete transformation when you are able to attract someone because we're visual people, right? Like you're able to attract someone, but then you're able to keep their attention because you, they feel heard, they feel seen. So I do feel like these two things are very important. That's episode 43. So I would recommend listening to that episode as well, because it was like great nuggets. And I I don't think that one can exist without the other. I do think that you start with the brand identity because you have to know who you're trying to speak to before you ever get 
to the language piece of that. Another great resource if you're in that position and you're auditing and everything, this is really only applicable if you already have an established business and a big audience and client base. But listen to their feedback. If they're giving you mm-hmm. feedback on your brand, listen up. It's very valuable. I agree with that. Final takeaways. What would you tell someone who is trying to find this place of brand identity and brand consistency? They're busy. They've got their own business. Maybe they're not outsourcing their marketing. It can feel super overwhelming. What just like sage pieces of advice can you provide to them? It's a long game. And as much as every single one of us loves instant gratification, or I do at least, building trust and building that consistency with your brand isn't an overnight thing. You have to continue to show up and provide those positive experiences. And when clients see that consistency through that messaging, through your visuals, and through just how you're acting over time, it's going to create that sense of dependability. And it's going to signal that your brand is professional and reliable. Just remember, it's a process. It's going to take time. It's going to take an investment on your part in order to reap those benefits. And you're not going to be perfect. And that's okay because you're not a robot. And your brand is fluid. It's going to evolve and change over time. But as you're working through this, if you slip up, don't get discouraged. Either fix it if it's a a big slip up or just course correct moving forward. Yeah, if you post something with your kerning off, just uh, delete archive. it and repost. <laughs> yeah, archive it. <laughs> I'm looking at you, hotels in Vegas. Yes. <laughs> I agree with the long game because let's be honest, people still, I was five years into my travel business and people are like, hey, are you still doing that travel thing? Like, you cannot expect people to know what you're doing in your life, even if you're showing up on social media every day. Remember that like every time you post or every time you show up, however it is, people are at the end of the day focused on themselves. They're distracted with their own lives. They're not really consumed with your goings on, really. So every time you show up in front of them, to me, it's even more important to be brand consistent because it just reiterates the sturdiness and longevity of your brand. And I think When I started, I always joke about my watercolor map and my Fiverr logo, but it did evolve over time. And when you show up to those, even just like starting out in the industry, frankly, when you show up and you have half a brand, it also signals that you're like half in kind of, even if you're DIYing it. Obviously, we don't recommend that. We like, I don't recommend that because I've done it and I I saw the clients I got with the DIY. And then I saw the clients I got when I really invested and it's, it's, it's very different. But even if you don't have the resources right now to do this blowout custom brand package, one plug for our semi-custom brands, (laughs) totally a great resource for that. But just remember when you are creating an initial impression, you want to have the most professional foot forward that comes with branding, but that also comes with maintaining that brand over time so that people understand that you are in it for the long game. 
And it's going to be natural that people are asking if you're still doing the travel thing. They're not consumed with your everyday. It's okay. Just keep on plugging away. If you make a post that falls flat, who cares? If you need to tweak your website because the coloration is off and it's not bringing the right target audience, it's okay. Like all of these things to your point are completely fluid and we get so down on ourselves, or we start thinking our business isn't doing well if like one thing is off. And none of these things are like the end all be all. So like progress over perfection, when you know better, you do better. If you have inconsistencies in your marketing, fix them moving forward and move on. I didn't know anything about branding. Now I am owning a branding company and and I'm able to be more consistent. But that's not to say that negates anything that happened before I knew better. But once you know better, you do better. Agreed. I love it. All right. Well, thank you to our listeners for joining another TikToks episode. Thank you to Amanda Lynn for showing up and bringing your wisdom and your passion and your love for branding. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. If you are loving our content, we would love and appreciate your support and feedback. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. And we will go ahead and drop the Dream Client Guide in the show notes, as well as the semi-custom brand service and the brand service links in the show notes. So if you are needing any brand services, we got you, got your back. 2024 is your year and we can't wait to help you maintain consistency and build client trust. What can we say? We're not kidding when we tell you that we're big on transparency. That's why we've compiled a few bloopers. Whether you're laughing with us or at us, enjoy these never before heard moments. 100%. I think that it's also important. Like you, your brain is not brainy. Thank you for being so kind. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I told JR, I was like, after this podcast, I am like officially brain dead. (laughs) I am wearing sweatpants and fuzzy socks. I was like, this is where I'm at today. Like, I'm not even putting on leggings. Love that for you. (laughs) It's hot cocoa and, and carols from here on out. I love that. You deserve that. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.